Well, hello, everyone. Glad you're with us today. And if you are watching this on Sunday, uh, thank you for your indulgence. Um, I found out Friday, which for now is yesterday, that my, my 90-plus-year-old mom, she'd been having some heartbeat issues and they ended up taking her to the hospital. They hospitalized her, found out that uh, she appears to have had a mild heart attack. Uh, they also found that she has pneumonia and COVID. Uh, and so I fully expected to recover. I did talk to her today. But I talked to the weekend team. I said, listen, Monday is jammed for me with some meetings and a board meeting. I really can't reschedule. Could we uh, re record the message on Saturday and then show it on Sunday? So if you're watching this on Sunday, thank you for giving me grace. I am somewhere via uh, Dayton and Cleveland and back to see my mom. So uh, keep Dorothy in your prayers. And uh, I'm trusting God for a recovery for her and to keep on moving forward. But I feel like I need to, to be there uh, because that's the way life goes. So I'll be there. And so thanks to all of you uh, for being here. So if you like it live, I guess that's a, a treat for being here on Saturday. So what a beautiful day today, huh? Give God a hand. Good job, God. I am so, I love this wintertime and snow, but I am so ready for spring and more sunshine. So uh, we started the day with a great men's conference. Thanks to all the guys who helped to host that. And uh, now we are in the fifth week of a six-week series. Uh, let's see how well you've been paying attention. Make a good decision, then make the decision good. Very good. And uh, this weekend, uh, we're talking about an area that I am super excited to talk about. Had some experience with it. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, making good decisions and making those good when it comes to your education, uh, your training, whether it's on-the-job training, formal training, formal education degrees, and then making good decisions, making them good in the jobs that add up to your career that you gain from that, and then making good decisions with the finances and the blessings God gives you as a result of the previous two. And so I, I assume they assumed that I was somewhat qualified uh, when it comes to uh, my career. I started out, I was thinking about this in back over 50 years ago, uh, my first job was as a paper boy, and that job doesn't even exist anymore, but there were these things called newspapers, if you're under 30, Google it, all right, um, and uh, I delivered those for the Cleveland Press, and it was a, it was a folded up bunch of papers about yay big, and uh, I made three cents for every paper I delivered. Ooh, I know you're going to think I'm rolling in the money now, all right? Uh, and I made about 12 bucks a week with tips. And that kept me in spending money. Now, if you're thinking, 12 bucks a week, what's that? You had to realize that I could buy a gallon of gas when I got to 16 uh, for 33 cents a gallon. All right, just listen to that and weep. Uh, I think a candy bar is a quarter, okay? But anyways, I was a paper boy. And then my re first real job, I worked for Pleasant View Nursing Home. And I stripped and waxed floors with the floor machines. Uh, that's quite a job I could tell you stories about. Uh, and then I remember I made a buck 60 an hour. And then because they did so good and they made me the crew chief, I made a buck 80 an hour. And then I really was in the money my senior year of high school because I got a job that required me to join the retail clerks union. I worked at Rigo's Stop and Shop, which was a grocery store. Uh, I was packing grocery bags and taking them out to people's car. And we would even, we'd have one night a week was our late, it wasn't open 24 hours. We worked late on Fridays because we closed at 6 p.m. Yeah, he's sounding ancient now, right? 
from there, I went to college, had some little bit jobs while I was in school. But then in the summer times, I went back. I guess it was the start of a possible career. I worked at May Company, which was a department store from 5 to 10 a.m., stripping and waxing floors. There we go again. There's a pattern. Uh, then I got a job at Curious Tool and Die, and I ran a punch press for a summer. And that was long enough to tell me I didn't want to run a punch press for the rest of my life. I uh, got a job at a GM plant for a few summer, couple summers as a timekeeper in a plant that made earth moving equipment, kind of like those big machines that you make highways with. Uh, I, was, I was a timekeeper there. And my final summer in college, I interned at Evangel Temple, uh, which became the church that I went to my first uh, job in ministry. And when I went to Evangel Temple, uh, they were on a tight budget. And so I volunteered the first half of my summer, driving from Cleveland to Akron every day. And then halfway through the summer, they decided they could scrape up the money and pay me 40 bucks a week, which just about paid for my gas. But anyways, uh, then uh, my first real job in ministry was going to Evangel Temple after graduating from Evangel College. And I was the youth pastor, and as an associate at a church of about 300, I was also the worship leader. I was the director of the daycare, the Montessori. Somebody's laughing at worship leader. Come on, I can carry too. Uh, director of the daycare, the Montessori preschool, and I oversaw the custodian, primarily because I think the pastor didn't care for the custodian, so he gave him to me. Uh, that was my job. And then I said, if I could custom make my next job after I was done at Evangel Temple, I'd like to go to a larger church where I could major in administration and minor in counseling and teaching. And so, boom, it opened up to be ministry administrator at this cool church, Christian Life Center, Dayton, Ohio. About 700 people at the time. I was across from the business administrator, uh, buildings and budgets, and the assistant pastor, counseling and teaching and whatnot. Did that for seven years, and then much by my and everybody's surprise, became the lead pastor in August of 1990. And I've been doing that for 31 and a half years ever since. And so I know a little bit about work. I know a little bit about having jobs. I want to help you celebrate yours and survive and thrive in yours. I know a little bit about education as well. Um, I was a decent average student in high school, mostly B's, an A or two, a C or two. Uh, but something happened when I went to college. A switch flipped inside of me, and uh, I loved it. Got pretty good grades. I did a double major. My dad wasn't so sure that the, I, I kind of said I felt maybe called to ministry. He wasn't quite so sure that was going to work out for me. Um, so he said, why don't you also do a business major? Think about that. So I was a business major and a Bible major. It took me five years to get that degree. I got tired of telling people my whole life story because they would say, why do you have that combination? Because if you're a business major, you're usually like a, an accounting minor or an econ minor. And if you're a Bible major, you're like a philosophy minor or a psychology minor. So I would just tell people, I think I want to be a Bible salesman. I thought I should know my product. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Some people went, oh, like I really meant that. So anyways. Um, after that, uh, <clears throat> my next degree, once I was at Evangel Temple, uh, was a master's in counseling and psychology from Ashland Seminary. We moved to Dayton. While Joyce was getting her nursing degree, I got an MBA from Wright State. And to finish it all off, I was surprised to look here 10 years ago, I finished a doctorate in conflict management, just in case I see any conflict, like in a church setting. Not that that would ever happen. But so anyways, um, I know some things about uh, work and about education. And I am so excited to share this message with you. And the first point, if, you're, if you have the app, you can follow along. Uh, the first point says, when it comes to making a good decision, first of all, decide to follow the journey. Everybody say that out loud. 
All right, well, what journey are we talking about? Well, uh, the journey that I just talked about, about getting the education and training that's going to prepare you for whatever job and that you have and jobs that line up for whatever career you have, uh, and then what to do with the resources God gives you. Work is not part of the curse. When God created mankind, first of all, God just worked pretty incredibly for six days and created everything, took a day to rest. But he created mankind and gave him a job from the get-go. Be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, and fill it. And when you die and go to heaven, you are not going to go to that lazy boy or lawn chair in the sky. All right? We are going to be busy working. Tell your neighbor, we're going to be working. What are we going to do? We're going to be running the kingdom of God. All right, so we're going to have responsibility. My wife is the world's greatest animal lover, and she said, I just pray, I ask Jesus to let me work with the animals when we get to heaven. So who knows what will happen, all right? And so uh, I'd like for you in the count of three to say out loud uh, either classes you've taken to prepare you, training you've got, what it was, or specific skill sets you have used in jobs or in your current job that helped you be a success. Got it? On the count of three, like list off like three or four. Ready? One, two, three. All right. Quite a talented crowd. All right. Do you realize that those skills, those abilities, while you took classes and training and all that and learned it, do you realize where those come from? God. Let's look at the verse in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. And let me just set up verse 18. I was going to read 10 through 17, but it's a lot of reading. Basically, what God is saying in these previous verses before this is don't forget me. I'm going to bless you. You're going to make money. You'll have wealth. You'll have things and prosperity. Don't forget me. Never cease to be thankful. Never cease to be grateful and have gratitude. And, and when you get to that place, when your IRA is soaring and you got the house and the car and whatever that you want, and there's more and more and more, you will have a tendency to forget me because blessings have a way, unfortunately, of moving us over time away from God and distracting us rather than driving us to him. But here's what he said in verse 18. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you power to make wealth that he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. On the count of three, tell me the job you're in or the job that you most recently held. One, two, three. God gave you that. He gave you the power and the ability to do that job and to make wealth. We say, wealth? Well, you're earning something. Let me put it into a global perspective. He's got the whole world in his hands. If you make 20 grand a year, you're in the top 12% of wage earners worldwide. That'll sober you. So God's the one who gave you your ability to learn, to gain skills, and to earn wealth. So don't compartmentalize your life. Your work, say my work, is part of God's will. My training is part of God's will. My education is part of God's will. You might be saying, yeah, but not calculus. Hey, it's part of God's will. It is what he is doing to equip you to make wealth. 
And uh, the second thought when it comes to education, uh, Rick Warren uses an, an, uh, an acronym, the word SHAPE, uh, that really is helpful in kind of determining what God wants to do in and through your life. The S stands for uh, what are your spiritual gifts? Hopefully those come to your mind just like that. If you're like, I don't know what my spiritual gifts are. If you're a Christian, you have them. And so if God has given you spiritual gifts, what a waste if you don't use them. I mean, did you ever buy somebody a gift and they never even used it? It's almost insulting. And so if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, go to our growth track class. It's on the second service every Sunday, and, and they'll help you discover those. So what are your spiritual gifts? And then keep that in mind. And then the H of shape is heart. What are you passionate about? What would you really like to spend your energy and your time and your talents doing? And then the A is abilities. What do you actually have the ability for? I'm going to come back to that because I think we really miss it. Contemporary popular thinking really does our kids and youth a disservice when it comes to our abilities. I'm going to come back to that. The P is your personality. You know, what, what fits your personality, all right? If you are a real gregarious, high energy, got a fidget, move around, and can't stay in one place long person, it's probably not the best fit to have a job where you sit in front of a computer screen all day and never move. What's your personality? And then the E is uh, what is your experience? And when I talk about uh, the disservice we do with our kids when it comes to abilities... I would like to identify a myth that parents and grandparents pass along to their children. It is echoed by celebrities and people in our culture. And you might get mad at me for identifying this as a myth, but I can just speak personally that at least as it applies to my life is a myth. So maybe I'm just projecting on everybody else and this only applies to me. Here is the myth that parents and grandparents tell their kids and their grandkids. You can do anything in the world you put your mind to. No, I can't. I met a guy in the grocery store the other day, comes to CLC, and I found out that he works at a local firm, and he is an engineer, a mechanical engineer. And I laughed and said, you and math have a way different relationship than I had with math. I cannot, with a gun to my head, ever do a surgical procedure on any human being ever. I've passed out twice as a pastor doing hospital visitation on people. <laughs> I cannot do surgery. Zach, that's true. It's been a long time ago, but it happened. Well, my wife, she's recovering from foot surgery, and she had to call a friend of ours over to take a suture out of her one toe because she said, I knew you couldn't do it. I didn't argue. I wasn't offended. Zach and I were both laughing behind the stage. And I said, Zach, our parents at least never lied to us and said, you can do anything you want to because, Zach, let's face it, neither you nor I will ever make a living on anything that has to do with a ball. Golf ball, basketball, baseball, football, volleyball. No, it ain't going to happen. And that's so... I'm not trying to get... That's so unbiblical to say that. Now, I'll come back to that in my next point. But making a good decision 
and then making the decision good, I find that discovering the path that God has for you, first of all, educationally. How many of you ever started a class or a degree? Let me see your hand. How many of you ever noticed that you don't pass classes and get degrees automatically? You have to show up, you have to do the work, you got to study, you got to do all that stuff. Now, you might have made the wrong choice and you get into a different area, so you make the decision right that way. But having decided to jump into an academic program, there is a whole lot of making the decision good. It is hard. All those degrees, I added up full and part-time. I spent 23 years of my life as a student while I was doing other stuff. And there are times I wanted to quit. There are times it just felt awfully difficult. There are times it felt uphill. I remember one time my MBA program, and, and we were doing, uh, it was either quantitative analysis or microeconomics. But I'm, I'm going through the book, and I saw the Greek letter delta. Now, I knew that from my undergrad, because I took three years of New Testament Greek, I had never seen a delta for any other reason, which tells you I did not take high school calculus. And I went to the professor, and he told me how they assumed for this class. An assumption was that you had high school calculus. Wow, big trouble. <laughs> Thankfully, I was teaching Sunday school here, and Dwight Schaefer, who has since gone to heaven, was a PhD in math. Can you believe that? And he was the head of the computer department at Wright State. And I said, Dwight, or what did I say? Dwight? Yeah. I said, please, I can get two C's in my program. This is going to be one up. I'm not trying to ace this class. Would you please tutor me? So on Sundays, he would go to lunch. We'd meet Big Hair at church. And he would tutor me through because deltas have something to do in math with calculus. And I could not do a multiple linear regression analysis now with a gun to my head, but I could back then just to get through that. It was hard. Some classes are hard. Some learning is hard. And you've gone through, whether it's trade courses, academic courses, online courses, it isn't always easy. And when you make the decision, then you have to make the decision good. And have you ever found out that sometimes jobs are hard and work is hard? Can I see your hand? When my kids and I are talking about that and they're going through a really hard time, they know that I'm going to be trite at the very end of it and say what I've said for years. I will say, well, you know what? Bottom line is that's why they pay to show up and they call it work. And so you just do. How many of you ever had to motivate yourself? You got the job, you're in the career, but then you have to make the decision good and show up when you don't want to or do it when you don't feel like it. Can I see our hands? I can fully relate to that. Do you suppose that for 39 years, I have felt like going to work at Christian Life Center every day I've come here? Not to hurt your feelings. In fact, how many of you ever have a bad weekend and you don't necessarily feel like going to church? Let me see. Let's be honest, right? I have those too. But the problem for me is I got to kind of show up because weekends are when I work. Newsflash, my life is not going perfect, and my marriage, and my family, and my health, and my people I supervise, and my job, everything is not going perfect every Saturday at five, and Sunday twice, and used to be three times. It is not always going perfect, and there are times I have to show up when I don't really want to show up, and there are times I've been in my back prayer room and been in no mental shape to come out and do what I'm doing, and I've literally prayed. God, don't penalize these people for where I'm at. Use me, anoint me, 
the word I, work, I've, work I've done and grant me favor with these people and please speak to them in spite of me. You make a good decision. Coming to Christian Life Center was a scary decision for us, moving a couple hundred miles away from home, and my wife never moved away from home. But, but then we've been making a decision good. It was a good decision. But good decisions don't make themselves good. If you're at all taking notes, that was a good note to write down right there. How many of you will go back to work on Monday? Okay. So if it's make the decision good, then it's Monday, make the decision good again. And it's wonderful when you have good bosses, but how many of you have ever worked for an imperfect boss? You know, I meet with all new staff, and I met with one just this past week, and I remind them, you know, you're working at church, but you're working with imperfect people, starting with the, with the guy who's like the big boss of all of it. So give each other grace and pray for each other. And you work with imperfect people, and so you make a good decision, then you make the decision good, and 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 before you know it, God takes you someplace and does things with it. Now, let me, uh, <laughs> I remember what, speaking of education, sometimes the, the goal seems so far out there that we want to quit. And I remember when we got married, Joyce already had a degree from Akron U. And right when we were moving here, she was praying about changing career fields and I think landed in the right field and went into nursing. So we moved to Dayton and she got into Wright State's nursing program and had like three years to go. But by now she's in her mid-20s and now most of the nursing students are like right out of high school. So they're like 18, 19, 20. She's like 25, 26, whatever. And, and she was like, oh, you know what? It's taking forever and I'm getting older and I, I don't know why I'm going to keep this up. And so I would say, She's like 25, 26. You know what, honey? You're going to turn 30 anyway. You might as well stay at it and turn 30 and have a degree. <laughs> so you break it down to bite-sized pieces. And then that was what she did and had a, what, 35-year nursing career. And so you have to find ways to make the decision good and to motivate yourself. There are times that no one else can motivate you but you. And let me say a word. Uh, the next thought is a note to parents. I said I'd come back to this. In Proverbs 22, verse 6, it says, in fact, read this out loud with me. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, that, that verse, if we take it apart, we parse that. It means train up a child according to his bent. According to how they are made, gifted, and wired. No two of us are the same. That's God's idea. And, and you've heard me say before when it comes to parenting, parents who have several children, I feel sorry for parents who kind of shrug their shoulders in, in bewilderment because, boy, they had a couple kids not really good, and a couple turned out not good at all, and they go, we don't understand. We raised them all the same. I want to go, that's your problem. Because what disciplines one child doesn't discipline another child. What motivates one child doesn't motivate the other. And so you have to have a customized orientation to your children and raise them up in the way that they should go. So that whole, you can do anything you want. No. Be a student of your child. 
and know the directions and interests that you can kind of fan that flame into something big. And I did a little research. I know it intuitively, but parents, do yourself a favor and stop putting all your eggs in the basket of time and money draining ruthless busyness. I see so many parents now spending a small fortune in every waking hour, and it's primarily in sports. And newsflash, 70% of youth sports participants, it's easy to Google, it's all over, drop out of sports by 13 years of age. 70%. So those of you parents who are really frustrated and trying to drive your 14-year-old and he's about to quit the team, 70% of his peers are going to do that. Keep this in mind. 2% of high school athletes, 2%. If you have 100 high school athletes, only two will get some kind of, not a full ride, some kind of scholarship to a university or college. And it typically, whatever the amount is, it's less than the amount to, for tuition. So it's not even a full ride. So less than 2%. So if you're doing it for college scholarship, you'd probably be better to take all that money you spent on AAU and leagues and uniforms and just toss it in the bank for it. And then of those high school athletes who get scholarships, you go to college athletes, only 2% of college athletes have any kind of a professional career in that sport. 98% of high school athletes do not get a scholarship. Say 98%. 98%. Yeah, but my kid's the exception. Okay. And then 98% of college athletes do not go pro. Say 98%. And so don't frustrate yourself and your kid. Use discernment. The other thing is teach them the, the heart of Colossians chapter 3. Work is not a punishment. It's an opportunity. It's part of God's design. Colossians 3 says this. In fact, read this one out loud with me and read it with some enthusiasm. I'll let you read it sitting down if you have enough enthusiasm, but I'm convinced you read better standing up. So you, you determine. All right, ready? Let's go. Whatever... Knowing that from the Lord, come on, you'll receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. What? So whoever you think your boss is, they're not your ultimate boss. You know who you're really working for? Jesus. You know who you're working for on the shop floor? Jesus. You know who you're working for in the corporate office? Jesus. You know who you're working for at the cashiers? Jesus. You know who you're working for? Whatever it is you do, wherever you are, ultimately it's Jesus. And so there is no justification. Well, if you treat me better, I'll work harder. If you pay me better, I'll, I'll give you what to do. No, I'm working for Jesus from the moment they, they say you're hired. And I don't know about you, I've worked for some imperfect bosses. I've worked for some... Maybe more honest. I work some, for some pretty frustrating bosses. And as a Christian, you've heard me say that really our, those people who hire us and employ us, our employers should be most glad they hired us. Because we give excellence regardless of who's supervising us, regardless of who we're working with. Why? Because ultimately I am working for Jesus. To teach your kids, do your work heartily. Do it for the Lord. 
because you're really serving Jesus in the ultimate. And when I'm serving Jesus, the good or bad of the people that are supervising me directly, it doesn't bother me near as much because I'm serving Jesus. As long as I feel like when I walk out at the end of the day, I think he'd be pleased with what I did, I'm good. Whether I got the affirmation or the whatever or not, I'm doing it for him. Boy, pass that along to your kids uh, because they're going to they're gonna work most of their life. And it's different. Like I said, uh, I was talking uh, in the men's uh, ministry this morning. You know, my dad worked at General Motors and spent almost his whole career there. Those days are gone. Most young people entering the workforce now will have several jobs in the course of their career and potentially more than one career field. And so teach them, first of all, okay, that God's going to give you the abilities as you apply yourself and as you make the decision good to get the training, get the education, get the degree, whatever, to equip you and give you the skills to do it. And then he'll open another door and each place you're at, you're doing it like you're doing it for Jesus. And then if it changes altogether, you're still going to do it like you're doing it for Jesus. And he'll be faithful and you'll have a sense of satisfaction and joy in that. And you know what? When it's rough, you show up because they're going to pay you. That's why they call it a job. And you show up and make the decision good when it's not easy or good. And that adds up. And the, the nice thing is, is that when we get the training and the education, land the job and the job and the job and the whatever, whatever, and we find ourselves where we are, that God also provides for our needs in a financial material way. And so let's talk about making a good decision and making a decision good when it comes to finances. Talked about education, talked about career, and uh, the journey is a trust walk that puts you and God to the test. I mean, God has challenged me, tested me in my career. There are days that, wow, my job seemed way bigger than me, and I've said it before, one of my favorite, most comforting prayers is when I'm honest before God, and I'm feeling overwhelmed like I can't do it, and I will say, God, I want to confess to you my incompetence to do what you've called me to do, and if you don't help me, I'm in trouble. I used to say, if you don't help me, we're in trouble. He's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> and just declaring my incompetence of what's ahead of me kind of puts me at ease and reminds me, okay, but that's, that's right where he wants you because then I'm really dependent on him. I love doing a good job. I hate when I mess up. I don't feel like going to work the next day when I mess up. He's like, no, let's go back and try it again. He has a way of teaching us and reteaching us and then he blesses us financially. And so let's talk about this trust walk that puts you and God to the test. And I'd like to suggest, first of all, that Isaiah 48, 17 and Acts 20, 35 go together. Here's what 48, 17 says. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy God, one of Israel, I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit. Say, teaches me to profit. How to make an income. Teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. I'm going to teach you how to profit. I'm going to give you the ability to make wealth, Deuteronomy said. And then that verse, I believe, goes with this verse in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. The Apostle Paul says, says, In everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus. Jesus said this, that he himself said, It's more blessed to give than to receive. And so that which I do earn with the talents God gave me 
is not mine. It's his, and I am a steward of it. And he's taught me it's more blessed to give than to receive. So giving becomes part of my life. Now, let's take a moment and talk about the trust walk. And if we could jump into Proverbs 3, verse 5 for a moment. I just want to walk through this really quickly. Hopefully, it'll take more time later this week. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I don't know about you, that's sometimes hard for me to do. I want to, but there's the whatabouts and the yeah buts. But when I trust in the Lord with all my heart, it is the vaccine for panic. It is the antidote for bad decisions. Because when I trust him, I am far more guided and, and listening. Do not lean on your own understanding. Whew. How many of you are like me? You're kind of a problem solver kind of person. Oh, man, the problem is, as soon as I see the problem, I got a solution coming. And it's too easy to lean on my own understanding. And sometimes, how many of you ever went the wrong way because of your understanding, right? No, don't lean on your understanding. Boy, and that value prayer and meditation and learning. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your paths straight. Have integrity. Don't compartmentalize your spirituality in all your ways. Say all of them. See, it's not just honoring God like coming to church and serving and packing meals and how do you volunteer. It's honoring God when you get dressed and go to work Monday morning. You honor God in all your ways in those meetings, on that shop floor, in that classroom, in that hospital, in that university. Honor him in all your ways. Don't compartmentalize. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. How many of us, we're bombarded by evil all over the place, and evil can also be in the workplace. And if we're not careful, Satan will steal our identity. It'll be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. God wants you physically healthy. The Apostle John said, Beloved, I wish that you would prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. So when it comes to your spiritual health, prioritize that. Financial health, of course, prioritize that. But also your physical health, prioritize that. One of the greatest gifts God gave you is a healthy body. Take care of it. Honor the Lord from your wealth, from the first of all your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. And in this, when you honor God from your wealth, here he's talking about uh, the first of your produce, uh, the concept in the, New, in the Old Testament that Jesus affirmed the new was to give God your tithe. The word tithe means tenth. So from the time I started working for Cleveland Press, making 12 bucks a week, my parents taught me, well, the tithe goes to God. That means 10% of my 12 bucks, a buck 20, plus an offering, I gave it to church. And I've been doing that math, tithe plus offering, to church, to ministry, ever since. And when I do that, God's faithful. God does some amazing things. And I'm going I'm to come back to that in a moment. Uh, it says, my son and daughter, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. How many of us ever went through, and my hand is up, painful experiences at work? Some of those people did to me. Some of those happened beyond my control. Some of those I goofed up and messed up. 
I sure would hate to go through those painful things and not learn from it. And so take that. Discipline isn't always, I'm going to give you a spanking. Right? When you say someone is a well-disciplined athlete, they are training themselves, and they are growing, and they are learning, they are maximizing. Learn to maximize the good, bad, and otherwise of your work world. Now, let me jump back to this idea about honoring the Lord from your wealth. In Malachi chapter 3, in fact, this is the one verse I'm going to read from the Bible. If you have a Bible or Bible device, this is the final verse I'm going to read for you. We'll kind of wrap it up. Malachi 3, verse 8. God is speaking to the prophet and confronting the people in a pretty intense way. Several different directions. And in verse 8, he says, Will a man rob God? Yet you're robbing me. But you say, How have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. That's the first tenth plus. You're cursed with a curse, for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so there may be food in my house and test me now in this. It's the one time God says, put me to the test. If I'll not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing until it overflows, then I'll rebuke the devourer for you so it'll not destroy the fruit of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. All the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So God says, okay, I've given you the ability to earn income, which includes helping you through your training and your education. Now you've got the job, jobs, career. You've got the income stream coming from that. And now not only do I care about how you prepared, how you got there, what you're doing, how you go through that, how you make your career and job decisions good, I also care about the decisions you're going to make about the finances that I have given you the ability to to earn in the first place and how you're going to honor me in that. And I want to test you in this because I want you to test me in this. I'm asking you for the first 10% plus And you go ahead, put me to the test. What? 10% plus? Yeah. Put me to the test and see if I don't open the windows of heaven and bless you. It's not that we give to be blessed, but God says, you can trust me and and you can test me. Now, I have preached on this and I asked uh, people on my Facebook page, I said, hey, any CLCers have pipes stories? Because I often turn here now, I'm not going to do the pipes, but in the second weekend of January, I did the pipes and we, we pulled a picture off of it, all right? That's me, like this, doing the pipes, right? Um, and it talks, I talked there about these are the different aspects of your finances. And the little pipes there represent a percentage of your income. I'll just do the short form. You can go back to the second weekend of January and watch it. Uh, we pay our taxes, 28% or whatever it is. Giving, there's your tithe, 10% plus a little bit more. Savings, you should put 10% away for savings. Lifestyle means that when you're done paying your taxes, giving to God, putting money in savings, you have about 50% of your income to live on. And, and right there, I'm saying, this is the lifestyle and the paradigm God can bless. Right about there, all right? Unfortunately, most Americans have the debt pile, okay? I'm not talking about your house if it's reasonable. I'll even give you an automobile, although we've paid cash for automobiles for forever because we, we practice this, okay? But most Americans have credit cards. It's your MasterCard, your Visa, your Target card, your whatever card, whatever card, whatever card. And about a third of your income is gone before you even pay all your bills off. And so they live in debt and they get trapped in that. What's amazing is that I asked, are there any pipes testimonials And one person who moved away said, oh, I miss the pipe services. I've shared them many times with others. I have a few friends I'll have to share your upcoming service with. 
Another person said, I always love hearing the pipes message. So go back and watch it. Another younger guy said, with the help of Celebrate Recovery and your pipes teaching, along with rededicating my walk with God and being baptized as an adult, I'm almost ready for a great testimony. Doesn't want to share it just yet. He said, I used to give offerings to God every so often when I felt I could afford it. Through applying the pipes, I was able to pay off debt and buy a house. Of course, buying a house incurred some debt. I bought a new car. Around Christmas, I started to really get serious, sat down with my calendar, planned out every single day for the next year as far as my budget is concerned. I currently am able to tithe, recently committed to an offering beyond my tithe, sponsoring a child. All debts, with the exception of house and car, will be paid off by June. Then I'll be able to begin saving 10% for myself. It's been a long journey, and the finish line is in sight. Only by the grace of God and that amazing pipe's teachings have I been able to accomplish that. And there's more there I don't have time to read. But over and over and over again, here's what I tell people. When you follow it God's way, it works. That's all I know. I love pastoring blessed people. Now, some of you are like, oh, my finances are so messed up. It's, you don't even have enough table and pipes to show my finances. Well, there is a class uh, called Financial Peace University. And we're going to close with, we've got an amazing opportunity for you. It's not going to cost you a dime. Normally it would. And when we're talking about uh, Financial Peace Plus, Ramsey Plus, uh, one of our team members, Tanya, said, oh, Financial Peace University changed our life. I go, What? Another one says, it changed our life too. What? I said, okay, you've got to share that. So in closing, watch this testimonial from Tanya about something that is now available to you. It would cost you at least 100 bucks before this, but because what we've done as a church, it's now available for free. Watch this. Hi, my name is Tanya Metcalf, and my husband and I started out our marriage like so many couples do. We, um, in student loan debt, we then got credit cards, car loan payments, um, just to quote, build your credit, we fell into that trap. And we quickly learned to um, live beyond our means, getting further and further into debt to remodel the house or just letting our spending habits get out of hand. And so then we thought, well, we'll do a home consolidation loan, but our habits didn't change. And so soon we had built up credit card debt again, plus we had the, um, the HELOC loan to pay as well. Soon we started getting credit collection calls and um, it just got to the point where we didn't even want to answer our phone. During that time, um, my husband was laid off three different times. Um, sometimes we didn't know if we were even gonna have enough to make it through the month to pay our expenses. And an opportunity came available for a job in our hometown of Youngstown. And so we moved up there for what we thought was just going to be a job. Um, but we had no idea what God would have in store for us during that time that we lived up there. My, my husband kept saying, there's gotta be a better way. We need to, to figure out how to, to be better. And that's when he discovered Dave Ramsey and the Financial Peace University program. And he started listening to him and and he's like, you gotta check this guy out. He, he's making a lot of sense. And um, I think we need to do what he's, he's saying to do with our money. In May of 2008, we started Financial Peace University. Um, we have been able to pay off our debt. Finding Financial Peace University at the time that we discovered it and going through the class um, has just totally changed our lives. We. 
I can't say enough about it and and just learning the process and, and walking through with different people having the same struggles as we did, learning from each other, has just been invaluable. I just, I can't stress enough how um, important if you're struggling with money and you just don't see any way out of it that this class is for you. Just give it a try because you will see just by managing your money and, and putting a plan in place, doing the budget, uh, working through those baby steps, that it'll be beyond what you ever thought it could be. And it'll totally change the way that you um, look at money and the money struggles. Um, it'll, it'll be an amazing thing. And I've, I feel like my husband and I made a good decision in 2008 and we're still making that decision good. And you might say, well, you're just doing that because all you want is our money. Well, I want to tell you the truth. I want you to be blessed. It's crazy. The most blessed nation in the history of nations, one of our biggest stressors in life is finances and stuff. It's meant to be a blessing. We're blessed to be a blessing. And so what we've done is uh, our god Size vision team bought a license. And I'm going to ask all of our section leaders just to stand across the... On your way out, ask them for one of these because you, you scan that QR code and you can be a member of Ramsey Plus. You have access to the class. That's a $100 value right there. You have access to a, a world-class app uh, as far as helping you manage your money. And there's live Q&A coaching. If you want to talk to somebody about how do I get out of this mess, they'll help you do that. It's all, it's all confidential to you. But they'll be happy to hand this to you. On the other side, if a lot of people are like, I try tithing, I'm so, so afraid... Our board so believes in the truth of tithing that if you want to take the plunge, we'll give you money back guarantee. Try it for 90 days. Read the details and go ahead and take the risk. And it's amazing how people say, you know what? I just needed that safety for the 90-day guarantee. And I'm so glad I did it. I'm just going to tell you that God wants you to make a good decision when it comes to preparing yourself and, and for the skills he's given you, for the job he wants to lead you in and to and through and the career he wants you to have. And then he, he's given you the power to make wealth. And with that wealth, he knows the right way to manage that and makes the decision good so that you are blessed to be a blessing and he is honored. What an amazing God. So Lord, I pray for this congregation. I thank you, God. I'm preaching to the choir, as they say, because... Most of us, many of us have learned the truth of this and practice it. It's why we could have over $30,000 coming just since last week and this week to come alongside those who are, whose life has been devastated in Ukraine, Lord, and we know it's more blessed to give than to receive. We're happy to do that. I'm preaching to people who practice proper stewardship and learn the joys of being debt-free. And, and so as a church, we're able to give away last year almost $2 million this year over that to other ministries that are less fortunate. Thankful, God. We're thankful for the, for the skills and the abilities and the life, the, the jobs and careers you've blessed us in. Holy Spirit, help us with an attitude adjustment to realize that my work is just as much a part of God's will as being in church. So bless us to be a blessing everywhere we are. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, 